0: We are recording this episode on May 31st, 2020. It was really important to the three of us to have a conversation about what is going on in the world right now, specifically what came out of Minneapolis and George Floyd. Uh, Minneapolis is a city that has a piece of my heart. I know Jonah's as well. He and I both worked in Minneapolis at the same time, roughly 12, 13 years ago. As you have come to know, this podcast is about sports and social media and content, but we also say that it's about life. And we felt like if we say this podcast is about life, we need to talk about what's going on right now. More so than talk, we want to listen. And we've asked three people who are close to us to come on, to share their stories, to share what's on their mind, and more importantly, in their heart. And the three of us want to shut up and listen, give them the platform, let them speak. I no doubt know that they will share some things that hopefully changes your perspective, maybe helps educate you, maybe gives you tangible things that you can do starting now to affect change. I am sure this will not be the last time the three of them are on this podcast. It's just the first time that they're on i'm thrilled they're on together i'm saddened and i'm angry that there's a reason why they're all on together on this episode we have avery owens anna melissa and daryl mcneil
1: avery owens i was born in white plains new york grew up in mount vernon new york money earner mount vernon for those in the the hip-hop know right outside of um Bronx, so I was exposed to a lot of creative energy growing up, coming straight out of the city uh, into the suburbs. We were kind of the first wave, if you if you will. That got to listen to a lot of uh, upcoming acts and everything. Basically, I'm a graphic designer. I worked with Keith, Jonah, and Elliot at MKTG previously. I'm now with FanDuel, I'm working in-house, which is a whole different animal in itself, especially in the sports industry. And considering where sports betting as a business is going, just in general, um, I've been doing some freelance uh, gigs, also for people doing some brand work. Um, I've helped a couple of uh, professionals in the sports uh, business with their announcement graphics for social, and they've joined teams for when they make announcements about uh you know what their next move might be most importantly i recently became a father and it's ironic because my daughter's birth came a week right before they announced that it was a pandemic and uh, shit was getting real and sports went away for you know what looked like the foreseeable future so basically uh my days have been a combination of you know checking up on my, my wife jackie making sure she's good uh being a father and trying to balance working in my basement here to kind of meet the demand that's still coming with the sports betting industry Um, It's definitely been a blessing in itself that company hasn't had to furlough anybody or cut anyone because uh, it's a business that's still growing. It's the business that still needs to be sourced. Um, We actually opened in uh, Colorado recently, which I thought was kind of interesting considering, you know, there's a pandemic, but people are still going to do what they do, you know, if they have the means.
0: Congratulations on becoming a dad. As as, uh, I, I had a son a little before you, but there was a small part of me that was hoping uh, it was a girl, so I'd have two girls because they are amazing. So congratulations. Thank you very much.
2: Daryl McNeil. Hey, everyone. I am Daryl McNeil, born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, much like Will Smith. I currently live in Atlanta. i um, been here about four years, but lived in New York about 15 years before that. I worked in the agency field for about 10 of those 15. Right now, I started my own little consulting company around social media and social media analytics. I'm also a luxury realtor I sell luxury property. That's it, I'm pretty short and sweet. Um, oh, all the stuff I've done. Um, in addition, I've also been an adjunct professor in the digital analytics space at NYU when I lived in New York. I'm um, doing that now at Mercer University, fun, but um, I'm a little bit of a rebel. So some of the you know, rules are getting on my nerves so I don't know how long that's gonna last. But yeah, that's me. Miss West Coast, Good. Uh, good morning I should say.
3: Hi, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Okay, so I'm Anna Melissa. I am a first generation American born and raised in LA. Um, so go Lakers. Um <laughs> I'm a huge Laker fan, huge on basketball. If you've ever been to the Philippines, it is like basketball mania. And I (laughs) grew up, what, grew up in the middle of the Lakers 3P era. My first memory of being a basketball fan was actually, um, my mom got her Uh, became an American citizen the same day as the Lakers championship like three-peat parade so that thing has been seared into my brain okay (laughs) um let's see and then I actually initially went to school to be a doctor and then I realized that I was absolutely miserable and now I'm on social (laughs) and it keeps sucking me back in every time I try to leave so we all know how my Asian parents felt about that um (laughs) Let's see, and I kind of, I've been all over the place, really. I started off in brand strategy, building brands from the ground up, kind of focusing on like amplifying like the voices of women in like the sports space. And then I kind of transitioned and became more focused on copywriting. And right now I'm kind of free-floating, trying to figure it out.
0: I'm curious what your thoughts are about brands putting content out right now content that in my opinion is telling you what to think or hoping that the content has nailed how you are thinking what's your take on that should brands talk right now should they not
1: in terms of the brands you know from my perspective also um it's it's who are you when you're speaking up what have you done in the past couple of months during during the whole COVID pandemic even before that what's your What's your body of work? What, what's the legacy you've already left in your tweets, in your, in your digital trail, in your paper trail, whatever? Are you jumping on a bandwagon? Are you rushing to say something so you look good? Or is this a sincere thing? Again, we all know that words are only words, you know, until there's actions behind it. And sometimes I think with some of these brands coming out now, it's, it, it's definitely that vibe of, oh, hey, uh, you know, let's put something out. Let's get something together to put out at, you know, 3 p.m. Rather than, okay, this isn't right. We need to do something. Um, if, if there are no actions behind these posts these tweets then again it's really for nothing because you know, at the end of the day there can be a nice pretty package video with all the, the the sexiest copy the best copy that you know draws your tears but if there's no action after that, if there's no affirmation that they're really here for you know the black community for the press community then and i appreciate like brands like spotify making that statement saying we have black people who are creators that we that we put out that we you know put on our platform that work for us, that work with us. And I, I do appreciate those kind of messages where they acknowledge it. Because again, um, you know, there's a whole culture within Spotify on itself. You know, they, they have Channel X, they have Gold School, they have these playlists that the world listens to. And, uh, you know, they, they listen to it, they vibe to it, but do they really identify with the voices that they're hearing every day? And I thought it was, you know, good of Spotify to at least acknowledge that, like we stand with our employees, the creators that we put out every day, you know, during this difficult time. So again, th- there are messages where you appreciate it, if it's from a voice or it's like, well, where the hell are you coming from with this? Just to, to finish the point is,
2: um, leave it to the rebel to say it this way, but I understand that you're a brand and I understand you're advertising to me to get something from me that is great, right? So your message is almost, when I just see those things, I recognize that your message is almost never about me. It may be empathetic to me, right? It may be you trying to empathize with me, but ultimately you want me to remember that you said that right? Because you are a brand with a voice who wants me to do something at the end of the day, right? And that is buy something, right? The real person who gives a charity doesn't tell everybody they give to the charity, you know what I mean? They don't write a billboard like, I am with the people who do charity, but I'm not really trying to be overwhelming. So, so my perspective is, if I see you being overtly supportive, I wonder, are you overtly supportive or are you supportive understanding that you want an action from me to happen relatively soon?
0: do you feel like there's an obligation on the brand side to, cause we've, I think we've all been there at some point where, and Avery maybe you were getting into it is there's a content calendar. There are things that need to be said, and there are things that are happening in the world right now. And what if we're not talking about it? But for us, it's always been, especially as, as somebody that managed brands, communications, and channels, you have to be a brand, that has done some considerable effort and work, and to everybody's point, has already been doing these things. Do you check out brands and see if they've done anything? Is there an obligation or what's your thoughts there?
1: I think that's a good question. I'll be honest, I haven't gone and looked and be like, oh, has so-and-so said something? Or, you know, I can't wait to hear what Nike said about this, I, I, that hasn't occurred to me, to be honest. A lot of the stuff I saw, I saw because somebody retweeted it, or I actually got a message on Instagram. Hey, look what this this group did, or this team did, like UConn. I got um, a message about that, and everybody knows that you know Gino's a, a real one. So I was I was expecting UConn to say something, but again, I didn't go to their page and kind of like actively scroll and see. All right, what what are their thoughts on this? It's more like, all right, well, I'm kind of in the moment right now. I'm hurting from these events and these events are scaring me and making me feel uncomfortable. And like when I hear these voices on the side in my peripheral, like that is, you know, okay, I'm hearing this, but at the same time, I'm not going out of my way to be like, all right, did, did the NFL say something or, you know, is is FedEx making an announcement or, you know, what about Under Armour?
2: I would agree with Aerie in the sense that what's going on in the world now is so much bigger than a clothing brand that I wouldn't have known unless I'm actively looking at CNN, which they let you know what my head is. And they come on a commercial and I'm actively waiting for it to come back. But if they didn't show a commercial from Nike, my mind doesn't go, oh my God, what did Nike say? My mind is, oh shit, I can't wait for them to come back from commercial. So I think as advertising people, we focus on the brand, like everyone's thinking about a brand at a specific time. And there's a space where the brand doesn't really affect the day-to-day because what's happening day-to-day is so much bigger than, than most any brand. Yes, some of them may be impactful and I appreciate it, but it's going to take a hell of a brand at a hell of a time when I'm paying attention to tell me something that I believe that's going to change the way I look at you. Ultimately, I'm worried about the bigger issue and that's what CNN is going to show when they come back from
0: commercial. What are the differences, Daryl, that you've seen coming from New York to Atlanta I mean, and we haven't talked about this. I don't know if Atlanta was the only place you were moving to or if you were thinking of other places, but what's that move and what's that change in
2: life been like for you? Um, The short answer, it was always Atlanta. I had decided to move to Atlanta about nine months before I did it, before I told anyone. It was about about six to nine months. Um, I had lost my mom a little bit before that, um, so I just needed a change. So Atlanta was always a place, a far back up with Charlotte, but I wanted to go to a place where I felt like people of color or black people since I identify as but had a better quality of life. New York's New York and it's a melting pot, but I was getting tired of New York and Atlanta just felt like a place where people of African descent were doing well and treated differently and treated better. And that's why I moved. The style of life has been different, mostly because it's the South. And things just move a little bit slower, and I, in my heart, I'm a New Yorker, so it's taken me about two years to get used to Atlanta. People are nicer, which I do appreciate, but there is still a hint of racism. Unfortunately, when you leave Atlanta, you're still in Georgia, as they say and you know it very quickly. As a realtor, I noticed it very quickly, right? So my life, my quality of life is better than New York, but it still has hints and some racism that still show there at you know, weekly if you're paying attention.
4: What I was really thinking about over the past couple of days is not necessarily the brand messaging of what the expectations we have, because I think you guys are dead on with that. You know, nobody's seeking out Nike's opinion. Necessarily on this yet they get propped up or get credit for that, which probably uh, is not the correct way to to go about it. But to me, I was thinking about the individuals, whether it's Killer Mike that we heard from, whether it was the mayor of Atlanta, whether it was Stephen Jackson, Jamie Foxx, and those messages resonated so much more to me. Not because of the celebrity status, but it was also like uh, just you know. And I was in the NBA for ten years, and I've heard a lot of these stories uh, behind closed doors, and I I would love These stories come to the forefront, but is maybe the role of a brand, a team, a league to really support the voices and to elevate those voices to the highest level with their financial backing, with their visibility in the marketplace? Is that a way that maybe a brand can be supportive and have a little bit of more of a positive impact?
1: Yeah, again, actions speak louder than words, like you said. Um, we witnessed a lot of uh, NBA players, you know, take action to win out. Jalen Brown drove, apparently, from Boston to Atlanta to be there. So that, that's a chance for the Celtics to really get behind him and be like, all right, you know, fuck our division, fuck, you know, whatever animosity there was on the, you know, the, the court between our teams. Like, you know, let's get behind Jalen and be like, all right, we're, we're behind Atlanta.
3: I think it's so tricky, too, because for me, like even just me personally, I am an Asian woman and I've had to really be so mindful and so self-aware of like my own personal experience and how that is is not at all. Like I can't say that I know what the black people in America are experiencing because I the reality is that I have been placed in a situation of <laughs> privilege really realistically. So a lot of times I've like, I catch myself when, like, I want to say something and I stop myself. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Is that the right thing to say, right? So oftentimes, like, I feel like there's a responsibility for me also as well as, like, oh, I'm looking at the people who actually have these massive platforms, people who have, like, hundreds of thousands of followers, whether you're an athlete, a celebrity, or whatever, to educate your followers right because that's how you get to a place of understanding right it's not necess- it's about being able to say like okay like for example if you're like i don't know lebron right um being able to educate your audience because your audience is you know so freaking massive right it's people from all walks of life it's you know being able to go out there and say like or maybe it's even the re- and and even also like the responsibility of people who don't have that experience of saying hey i'm not experiencing the same things that like black people in america are experiencing right now and that's why we need to say something i think that that's kind of it's so it's so tricky There's a responsibility. And I think it starts with education, right? Educating your followers, educating the people that follow you. Because for me, I, 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 I find myself hesitating because I'm just like, do I know enough to say something? Am I educated enough to say something? And I think that that's oftentimes what stops me from like firing out a tweet. I'm like, ooh, do I know enough to make a comment about that? And so I think that that's one of the things that like, for me, is also a responsibility for me also as an Asian Asian American, somebody who hasn't experienced the same things of like educating myself, but also if you have the platform, by all means, go ahead, use that to educate the people who you think um, might need a little bit of help understanding or wrapping their heads around the experiences that they themselves don't have to go through.
1: Tie that even further. That's, you know, again, that's a, to me, that's an education as anna you know so eloquently put it it's like all right if you're not certain about a certain thing uh make sure you educate yourself we have google we have wikipedia i mean you probably don't want to go to wikipedia first but we have resources you if you have a a friend even like a, a black friend that you know you won't offend if you approach it the right way can you ask hey what can i do what can i say or you know how how are you doing um Little things go a long way, you know. To be honest, and I have had people reach out to me. Are you okay? How are you handling this? You know, are you and your family good? And that that, that goes a long way. That means that means something. And 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 at the same time, I'm like, look, like if you don't know what to say, that that's all right. I'm not going to hold you for that. This is a time where you do want to really do think about. All right, where am I standing? Where where do I? fall in this in in what's happening right now because you want to be sure um, you want to make the right move you want to do justice and you want to make sure that those who you care about are empowered in a way that they can move forward and know okay this person has my back
3: I actually saw a post on Instagram and it really made a lot of sense to me and it was like talking about how the idea of racism isn't necessarily as overt as like a white cop killing like a black man or something like that. It's something as simple as like being in the workplace and somebody makes a comment and you can't quite put your finger on it. You're like, "Mm, something's not right about that. Or it's somebody starting like having some sort of like campaign or they're throwing it in a deck and like they, they have the words urban in it. And like, what does that imply exactly? You know, like it's those little things that, like, you put your, you, you have like all these things. It's like, okay, like it says urban. And then on your mood board, it's like a whole bunch of like black people. Like, like there, it's like those little things that you come into contact with every single day. And like it's almost become so normal that you're almost numb to it. You like, um, like if you're not super, if you're not hyper aware, like that just kind of like goes right over your head and you don't really think that much about it. But it's like those little things that you don't really realize you're doing. That is also like, hey, I'm doing that, and hey, that's wrong, or hey, maybe I shouldn't do that, shouldn't say that. Those little things.
2: I would I would argue that that point in an opposite way, right? Is that as a black male who sports a who is a black male period i'm hyper aware of everything i do i am hyper aware of how serious i look because generally speaking i have a very serious disposition even when i'm home by myself should i shave this beard off should i not when i get in the elevator should i stand in the front of it to not make the women in it feel uncomfortable should i smile although i'm not very happy right now to make sure that you're at I can remember a very specific time when I was 23 and I was like a marketing assistant and I worked at Macy's of how I was treated by white people. And then 10 years later, when I was a VP director making a good amount of money, how I was treated, I was worth more. Well, I was not worth any more to my mama than I was 10 years ago, Right. But that's how we. that's how that's how you're treated in the workplace. Right. I am hyper aware of where my hands are. Who am I sitting next to? Am I sitting next to a female? Does she know I'm gay? Does she think I'm flirting with her? Does this make her uncomfortable? Keith may not know this, but he can never say a meeting where I've sat next to a white female except my boss who really liked me. I'm consciously aware of all the, and that's because she liked me, right? I'm always aware of where I'm sitting. Where am I sitting in the room? Where are my hands? Am I moving too quickly? Those are the kind of things that, quote unquote, white America never think of. And I'm one of the few black people who has a lot of white friends. I would call Keep a close friend of mine. Um, whether or not I talk to him every day is ridiculous. But he can call me, I can call him, we can laugh. But I actually have white friends. And it's like, I would like to ask you that, but. And it's like, with the but that's stopping us from asking those questions, it, it, it keeps us distant, right? It keeps us having additional conversations like the ones we're having now. People telling their stories is important, I think, Understanding that you may not know everything about that story is important as well, right? Like for a black man, it's like, well, that never happens. And I'm like, you weren't aware enough to know that it just did happen. You weren't physically immensely in this space to recognize that when she sat down, she moved her purse from next to me to here. Both seats are empty and there's someone on the other side of that chair as well. She probably didn't even notice it. Her subconscious made her move. Her subconscious made her adjust this way so that her back was. And as a a black man, I'm hyper aware. Someone could say that I'm overreacting, but you're taught as a black person to be aware that my hand should move this quickly around. I remember when I worked at an agency in New York on Madison. The agency has been renamed. And I walked into the room, and it was my first week, and I was the analytics director working with analytics managers across the room. And I remember her name was Erin. She said to another girl named Caitlin, she said, Darren isn't it? He's probably black. He's probably the token. And here's my look. and you don't you know, see, I'm like 5'5", five, five, 150 pounds, right? Some days I look like president. Some days I look like a 12. It just depends on what mood I am. And it really does. It just depends on what fucking mood I am. in. And I remember walking in and, and her, she stopped. It. Like, oh, she said, oh, you must be Daryl. And I said, well, you had already made up your mind about who I was before I showed up. She said, well, oh, you had a black name. White America's the standard. If anything other than that is different right so when you are a black person and i find it more so with men in a position of some sort of authority or power it's like this second guess of like well how did you get it? or you must be a token or you're or you're other than me so why is this happening? you know what i mean that has happened to me a lot because i've interacted with the culture for so long like i don't sit next to another black person be on purpose right because i don't want someone to be like well all the black people stick together it's like, well, no one goes. That was the only seat that was available. No one ever says that. They go, "See them sitting next to each other, looking at us. They're sticking Yeah, I could argue. I live in Georgia now, and I used to live in New York. And in Atlanta, there's a couple of ritzy suburbs. And if you know me, I'm gonna live in a ritzy suburb because that's who the fuck I am. And Keith, and Keith knows that. But that's that's really I. When I did drink, I drank top shelf. And when I did go, and when I did have, I had a beamer. And it's, I worked my ass off, but I was gonna have nice things. And what, we get pulled over. My husband, who's also black, who men in a car, like, but what are you doing over here? That shit, you know, happens to me. And I have taught in my field and I have two college degrees and I've volunteered and I've marched and it's like, but you are still a black man in an expensive car. and I personally just don't think you belong. And, it's, and I get the right to ask you that and you have the responsibility to answer me because I asked. That is privilege. So someone else will, I was just really concerned because I didn't recognize you. He's like, but you don't recognize her either. So why did you feel like you could ask me and make it seem like I had to respond? Those are the kind of things that don't happen to white men. And if I was with a white man, probably wouldn't have happened that, right? So those are the kind of consciousness things that, you know, we don't we don't talk about there. The mental fatigue, I would say, is way more than people say, right? Where is my Where is my driver's license right now? Where is my insurance card right now? Um, should it be in the visor? Should I leave it open so that if I do get pulled over, I don't have to reach for it, I can just point to? Because we know video makes no difference, right? So so therefore, we're, at this point, we're just in survival mode no matter what. That's just an everyday life. But what about a person who has worked hard and has done great things and they just happen to be Black? Why are they treated differently? Why does a white person feel like, I get the right to go, why are you here right now? And because I asked, I deserve an answer. And if I don't get one, I get to call the authorities who are going to mistreat you in advance of them even getting here because I, as a white person, feel like I'm uncomfortable. That is white privilege. It shows up in the supermarket. It shows up in work. It shows up at friendships, right? It shows up in places. We live with these things. You know, we they're on our shoulders. You see what I'm saying? Where am I going? Who am I with? Where are my hands? Am I wearing sunglasses? Should I take them off? I have a beard. Should I shave it? You know what I mean? Are we talking too loud? Are we talking too much? You know, are we making her feel uncomfortable? Will she call the cops? You know, it doesn't matter what we've done or where we work or where we went to school. You are black. And there is a difference.
1: You know, in high school I went to high school in New Rochelle and I went to high school with a lot of kids from the Bronx and I went to the Catholic school. Reason being that my mom actually uh you know pulled me out of the Mount Vernon school district because that was a time where kids were getting stabbed, kids were getting, you know, beat up and this is, you know, just how it was in Mount Vernon at that time. At that Catholic high school I was told many times by kids who were not black, not Spanish, not Asian, that I wasn't black enough. That I was not black because I articulated myself well that's always how I was since I was a kid. I had a fifth grade reading level in first grade and it was hurtful. But at the same time, that was my first brush really with like privilege. It's like, okay, well, people who don't look like me are telling me I'm not enough of what they perceive. Like who the hell gets to tell me that? It didn't make me hate, you know, to be honest, it didn't make me hate Italian kids from the Bronx. It didn't make me hate, Irish kids from the Bronx or anything like that it was just like that put in the perspective for me. Like, where are you speaking from that you know me better than I know myself? That that can't be right. And there's clearly obviously privilege to get to it. If I if I told you that you're not Italian enough, I would be stomped out right here, right where, where I stand.
4: These stories are really important to be told, and I think we need to hear more of this. The open discussions in general need to happen on a daily basis with whether it's business, media, and I think a little shift in the discussion here to get uh, everybody's thoughts on this um and i'll start with the quote that we saw on um, that was pretty poignant for this time is that racism isn't new it's just now being recorded and we're starting to see news all throughout social media platforms. And that video is being recorded, but hasn't necessarily changed the outcome or the direction, which is highly troubling, right? And of course, you know, we saw it at at the height of the George Floyd incident. And I think when we look at the ability to report news, the the mainstream media, in my opinion, is failing at all levels. But we do have these platforms that have open source abilities for people to upload. And we're starting to see the viability of that content get out to the masses. So my question is, does the positive outweigh the, the negative in the sense of that we're seeing violence, we're seeing it on a daily basis? How is that affecting our mental health as a country? And what is the responsibility of social media platforms, I should say, you know, during these times? And how can things change now that we're still seeing it and it's out in front of us and yet there hasn't been change
1: i want to say that first of all that if that was will smith through a coin that you know that, that uh that quote say will never lies but uh we are seeing more of this um in the sense that all these events are happening there may have been literally 10 george floyd uh incidents that happened over the course of this week and we know we have no idea because it didn't make it to That platform, it didn't get elevated and people are not like, you need to watch this. You need to get upset. You need to be concerned. You need to know what's going on. What scares me is that, um, to be honest, that as history goes on, these moments will be kind of altered or will be shaved over in certain ways that fit history books or fit, you know, media websites. And, you know, I'm not trying to sound all conspiracy right now on this podcast, but, you know, I think there are ways that uh, certain things will get paraphrased in ways that information gets lost. I made a tweet earlier today about Black Wall Street in Oklahoma, in 1921, almost 99 years ago to the day, a bunch of people replied to me, DM me, I had no idea. And like, again, it's it's something that just it, history repeats itself and history also gets erased, whether it's intentional or unintentional. I think it's the responsibility of these social media platforms not not have like an anniversary or anything, you know, crazy. I'm getting a little dark, but, you know, just not censor the information as it's coming through. Honestly, like these videos are obviously what they are, but they have a responsibility or they have a, you know, definitely a uh, a duty to not censor when the information itself is true and uh forthcoming i
2: I think you bring up i think you bring up a really good point around censoring but i would also counteract that thought with even when it isn't censored people still don't believe it right you can literally kill someone while recording it and somebody else said, "Well, he didn't really kind of kill him like i'm not sure if he likes spit on his shoe first like we need to know the whole story we need to know what he ate for breakfast what he ate for lunch that time His wife slapped him. We need to know everything about the victim that we actually can call a victim before we can say honestly seeing it. So D.L. Hughley had said once that when the black man is oftentimes killed in this way, he's killed twice. His body is killed, his spirit is killed, and then his reputation. That one time you cheated on your girlfriend and y'all are best friends, I guarantee you it's gonna come out, and we're gonna imply that because of that, maybe that type of character straight has followed you for the last twenty-five years, and therefore you acted up in a way where this other person had to. And since we don't know all that and that's not on the video, we just, just, just can't. We just, we just, we just, we're just, we're just, we're just not comfortable yet I'm saying that that happened. We need to know everything about the person who's now dead that cannot themselves and give the person who killed that person the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he's a cop. It's like, well, I still killed a person. Well, that's not as important yet. Right? That's the that's the difference. That's why people are saying Black Lives Matter. What Black Lives Matter means is Black lives are equal. Right? It's, it's not that they matter. They just matter less. right? They need to matter just as much as what Black Lives Matter means. And when you can kill a person I said well if you can kill a person on television and still have a question about whether or not he deserved it by the person who did it, it's not, it's, it's not equality.
4: Well, I think there's also the point of and what also I think we're seeing now is the protesters that we're seeing that are looting, that are, are actually wrecking sort of these establishments are not the African-American peaceful protests. And when people push that to the top of my timeline and say, this video needs to be on CNN. This video needs to be on the mainstream news, but they're not covering it that way. So, as an alt coverage, of these events, it is important to see the actual reality and how much it weighs in difference, and what is actually going on. The many peaceful protests that we saw and some of the officers that stood up and were trying to rally people in a way that was effective and would not create more violence. So I guess it's a very difficult question. I don't think it's as easy as saying what should a social media platform's role be. I mean, we're we're questioning these things in the infancy of what social media actually is and what is the responsibility of it but i guess i would i would try to go back to that question of what do you think you know the twitter's facebook instagram these types of platforms what do you think they can do to help sort of because i i've almost lost it with the mainstream media and where they're at at this point and i think that there's a new way of telling the stories and hopefully for the better
1: again it goes back to what annalissa said about education like um and what Adina said about uh, Twitter being a news source for some it's it, you should in, in my opinion you shouldn't rely on just one outlet for your information um, what they what they hopefully drill into you know our heads in high school is that you need to find multiple sources and gather your your end you know result from those multiple sources and then make sure on top of that that you're getting the right information so um, I think when it comes to social media as a whole Yes, we can absorb information, but at the same time, uh, we fail ourselves if we don't. If we only buy into it at that level, like um, I, I think, I think uh, brands posting about uh, how they feel about this whole, you know, this whole situation is is interesting. But at the same time, um, it, for for them, it's just going to be a, a post on the grid. For them, it's just going to be a tweet in their long their long scroll. And everything like that and at the end of the day that's not news that's not something that's going to end up in you know a, a, a history journal or anything like that so it's up to us also to educate ourselves and look at the the facts and you know the writings and draw our own conclusion that we can be uh aware of like this is the answer this is what's going on this is what i'm going to hear in some form 20 years from now you know specifically for <laughs> from me when my daughter Inevitably asks me what happened in twenty twenty or what did did President Trump really say that, and I have to go, yeah, he did.
4: Yeah, I think the onus is on individuals now, Um, the responsibility by and you know Avery, you touched on so many important points there, and I've I thought about it a lot too that you know if if I'm in a discussion with friends, colleagues, and they say I saw this here, and I'm like, okay you know, I don't take it as gospel, right? You don't take it as gospel when you see it on these platforms because we know they're not perfect and they know we know there's going to be the trolls out there and bots. And also it's a chance for us to be curious, have these type of discussions, and then also follow up with education to back whatever statements or news is coming in, to understand history, understand the things that you're Talking about Avery, and you know, I think it's it's no longer an out to just say I turn on CNN or I, I open the, the the New York Times because guess what? They're media conglomerates. They got bills to pay, and they're trying to make profits. And at the end of the day, they're a business, and sometimes their objective to get news out conflicts with profits they have to make for that quarter. So it's on us now, Um and I think. It's it's a big responsibility, but these discussions help. And the deeper you dive into them, then you can draw your conclusions as you go, and hopefully mature and learn.
1: You know, going back to you know protesting and and having everything play out over three days the way it did when the arrest was made, it's 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 become clear and evident that Kaepernick kneeling did not give the assurance that that was the answer. Let's be let's be glib like that was tried. He did it. His career as a, an NFL player was destroyed because of it. So that's the bottom line. It didn't work.
2: And to that point too, everybody felt that his kneeling was disrespectful to the flag. But again, no one lost their lives. This kneeling killed someone. And and I did a post on Facebook to talk about, let's say that person got arrested. Let's just go with that per- thought. He still gets to wake up tomorrow, kiss his babies, smile. He might be a private investigator. He might work for the government. He might do a thousand other things. So there are 30 to 40 people who are also affected by this man's death by doing the exact same thing that an athlete did that you thought was disrespected. It's a powerful power when you think about it that way. It's the same image. It's just one man looking completely different than another, one man being killed and one man not. White America, much of it, was enraged over how the flag, an object could be disrespected. But a person's life was taken with the very same thing And it took us in America and it took rioting, physically hurting someone else again before you thought it was important enough to give a damn. That is
4: the privilege. And this has just been awesome. I hope it's just one of many discussions that we all have and we have different viewpoints on. And I think it's important for all of us to figure out what we can do. Uh, We've touched on a couple key points throughout this podcast that have been really important, some good takeaways that I think... Everybody can learn from and move forward with, but in your opinion on this panel, what are some things that you would like to see change, whether it's the near term or moving towards the future, and things that people should be aware of beyond what you've already expressed thus far?
1: As a creative, I'll keep it, you know, in that realm for my answer. Um, If you're going to put out creative, if you're going to put out a message that you are behind the protesters, that you're behind justice in America, that you that you wholly believe that Black Lives Matter, there's no turning back and you have to keep to that. No, you don't have to keep drilling people with it going forward, but you can't be silent. You can't only speak up when these moments come up on the stage that they are right now and with the intensity that they are right now. You gotta gotta be about it going forward. Simple as that.
3: I think there's two things I would like to see. Um, Non-Black people using their platform to one, educate themselves and two, educate their followers, the people that they're in contact with. Um, And also, like, from, like, a very, like, also from when you think about companies or brands, I think I saw this thing and it said, take us off your mood boards and put us on your payroll. Um, If you are profiting off of Black culture, I think that you should be paying Black people, um, making that conscious decision, you know, take them off your mood boards, put them on your payroll. You know, that, I think that that's a really important thing to do.
2: I would say a phrase that's old, that um that should be brought back. And uh, my birthday's coming up and I'm going to actually have a tattoo across my chest. Very small. And it's be the change you want to be. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's it. If you want, if you want to be treated nicely, be father nicely. You know what I mean? If you if you want this injustice to stop, you can't sit and run a lot of injustice. injustice. Be the change. Stop waiting for CNN to report it or whatever. And the brands themselves, if you are about equality, be it. Not just when it's unfortunately when bad things happen, but all the time. Be that change all day. day. That's what I want to see out of
4: I hope that we do this more often. And like Keith had said, you know, every single one of you was on our list for guests uh, ahead of this, but we felt this was an important time to uh, start the discussion and do a little bit of, you know, of an open panel to, ha- to have these uh, conversations.
1: All right. Um, you can find me on Twitter. If you want my, uh, my raw thoughts, basically at uh, @aveowens_ Owens underscore, because uh, Avery Owens, of course, is being held captive by Twitter. If you want my, my chronicling of uh, my daughter's growth and, uh, Occasionally, my designs uh, and my visual take on the world, Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Avery O, that's A-V-E-R-Y-O-H underscore, because again, the same reason Instagram has Avery Owens, you know,
2: on lockdown. You can find me mostly on Instagram um, at Influential Shorty, you know, name's it. And I'm not crazy active anymore. I took some stuff down, but I like to post inspirational, go-getting type stuff. Get off your ass, get shit going, work on yourself, and that kind of cat so that's what you find.
3: so you can find me on Twitter at Anna Melissa I'm more entertaining on there than I am on Instagram so <laughs> I'd like to apologize beforehand if I offend anybody I'm a little off the cuff um, but you can find me on there